Well, glory to God. Amen. I've uh, been in ministry 50 years and uh, married 46 years today. Happy anniversary. And I have never seen a minister of music get the ladies to sing perfect submission all as well. I've never heard that before in my life. So praise God, man. You either got it or you don't. Amen. Ah, <laughs> oh, my soul, have mercy. Thank you so much for being here this morning and being a part of this service. We're excited about what God has done. He's already done great things, and he's going to continue to do great things. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we left off in verse 18 last week. We'll pick up in verse 19 this week, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As we think about the topic, are you living in vain? Are you living in vain? Uh, Paul has uh, written to this church, and uh, there's some monotonous things that are going on, and he shows us some ways this morning. What a, man, what a tragic thing for a church to be uh, older and grounded and then come to a point where they're living in vain. He told us in, in 2 Corinthians 4.1 that we have a ministry of grace and we're to be sharing that grace with everyone. And then he tells us not to faint. And we've already determined it's a whole lot easier to say we're not going to faint than it is to not actually faint. Uh, and this morning, not living in vain. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers, together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Father, thank you this morning how precious and, Lord, how filled we are already. And Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to move in and out amongst us. God, don't let a one of us leave this place untouched from what you have for us. And I pray, dear God, we'd not only listen with attentive hearts, but we'd also obey whatever you've asked us to do. Help us to make our minds up even right now before we go a step farther that I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I don't care what anybody else does. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And oh God, how we rejoice in the victories that are going to be won today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Fall is one of my least favorite times of the year. I love the weather. I'm telling you, it's wonderful. It had anything to do with the weather. I have a wife who thinks that there should never be a leaf on the yard. <laughs> and that's right, she says. And, you know, I want to tell you, if, if leaves would just submit to God and at autumn 
fall off, you know, then we could get on with life. But some of them will fall off. Some of them hang on. And some of them are bullheaded Baptists. And they're going to wait until the new leaves come out before they, they fall off. And so my neighbor's probably listening, but I've got a blower. I blow a lot of them over toward her. And uh, uh, that helps some. But I want to tell you, those leaves just keep on coming. It almost seems like it's a futile effort to keep the leaves out of the yard. Now, you ladies would know what I'm talking about, too. It's the same way with sweeping and mopping a floor. Uh, you, you, you mop it today, and the next day, your husband's already tracked in on it, so you got to re-mop it again. And then you say, now, don't die. Just mop that floor. I've heard that many, many times there. And sometimes when we do things over and over again, we, we feel like maybe uh, uh, we've wasted our time. We've wasted our energy. And Paul is saying to us here in this scripture that you may think you've wasted your time. And there is some things in ministry that get monotonous and you do them over and over again. But it's never wasted time to serve the Lord. It's never time wasted to do what God has commissioned us to do. And he gives us a commission here. It doesn't matter if it's relentless or never-ending or none of that's important. It reminds us here that the truths are that we're not to waste what God has given us and we're to stay the course. Now, the first reminder, we're given four of them here. And uh, so I'm going to preach quick this morning. I've got a plane to catch at 145. So I'm going to get out of here quick. But you listen quick. I won't preach any quicker than I normally do. I'm just joking with you. I just wanted to see some of you might say amen uh, uh, if I preach quicker than I normally do. The first thing we are told here is if we're going to not live in vain, if we're going to continue to serve the Lord, we've got to be reminded that we're partners in the ministry. We've got a partner in the ministry. 2 Corinthians 20, there, 520 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God's making an appeal to us here that we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We're partners with God uh, in ministry. No matter how long we may feel, we're still partners with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is still there. We've got a partner, a co-worker. And God has chosen us to include us in his work. Now, here's the deal. It's not, we're not an equal partner. We're not a minority partner. We just thank God we're a partner, period. Amen? I mean, uh, I, I was in a partnership one time where one guy put in 80% of the money, and I put in 10%, another guy put in 10%. The guy who put in 80% didn't really care a whole lot what I thought. I mean, I was just a 10% partner. But the guy who put in, listen, to what I'm saying is, you didn't put anything in on your salvation. Christ paid it all. He's the total partner. He's invited us to be a part of that ministry. And he could have had the rocks. He could have had the birds. He could have had the dogs. He could have had any number of things. Call out his name and praise his name. But he chose us. He chose us. So we're a partner. Uh, as Christ ambassadors, we're representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. When an ambassador goes from America to a foreign country, he don't say what he wants to say. He says what the United States, what the president has told him to say. Where he's representing us. 
You're not here on your own this morning, folks. If you've been saved, you are a partner, but Jesus is the controlling partner. We're his ambassadors. He tells us what to say. Well, what are we going to say? Well, he says that he has come and he pleads with us to be reconciled to God. That's the ministry that we've got as a church. It really doesn't matter how good the volleyball team is. It really doesn't matter how good the Wednesday night suppers are. What matters is, are we focusing on people being reconciled to God? That's the ministry. That's the gospel. That's the ministry. To take that reconciliation to people that God has strategically placed in our lives. You'll win people that I'll never be able to win. I'll win people you'll never be able to win. We need each other. And we're to take that message of reconciliation to the people that God has put in our life. Let, let me put it where you'll understand it. We exist here to win old Bubba that we've never seen to the Lord. That's what we're here for. We're, we're here to help a marriage put back together and serve the Lord and be one together. That's what we're here for, to be reconciled to God. We're here for people who need to be uh, experiencing forgiveness in their hearts and yet they're cold and they're bitter. It's up to us to help them to be reconciled to God. Coldness and bitterness doesn't help the other person. It hurts you. Paul tells us that we've received this ambassadorship. And if we fail to represent the one who sent us and choose to live on our own agenda, then we've received God's grace in vain. Have you received it in vain? Uh, part of the outworking of God's inward working grace is a desire to make him known. God's grace. Now, I want to just share with you and be honest with you. Uh, if you came this morning and you're lost without Christ, you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. But someone has told you, if you go down to that Baptist church, you just simply walk down that aisle, you tell that preacher you want to be saved. You pray a little prayer that's already pre-printed and everything. And then you go on and you, you live like you want to live. You've got salvation. You've been saved. Once saved, always saved. And I want to tell you, just well, stay in your seat. Because you're not going to be saved. The Holy Spirit's got to draw you. And he desires to draw you. And if you're here today, that's a good example that the Lord is trying to draw you. But he's got to draw you. You've got to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You've got to admit you're a sinner and that you choose to follow Christ. You see, grace doesn't only save us. Grace instructs us. Grace teaches us. Grace guides us. And we become partners with God. We ought to thank God we've got a partner in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you, there's no one that can, can comfort like him, heal like him, lead us like him. We've got a partner. The second thing, though, that Paul mentions here is that if we're, got, if we're not going to receive grace in vain, we've got to plead with others for the gospel. We've got to plead with them. One translation here says, we even beg them. You say, preacher, uh, I've heard preachers say before, I'm not going to beg you to come to Christ. I'm not going to blah, blah, blah. Listen, as bad as my knees are this morning, 
If I thought getting down this aisle and crawling to the back where you are to, so that you could be saved, I'd do it in a New York minute. I'd beg you, I'd plead with you, I'd, I'd say, listen. You say, what, what, what's so urgent about it? Because I know what it's like to be forgiven. I know what it's like to be set free. I know what it's like to be redeemed. And I ought to want everybody else to be redeemed. Plead with others with the gospel. Paul said, when it comes to the salvation, he said in verse 2, one translation says, At a favorable time I listened to you, and on a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. You see, when it comes to salvation, you don't need to wait till tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. You don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Now is a day of salvation, and now is a favorable time. We're not guaranteed anything. Not a thing. Young people die every day. Old people die every day. We're not twisting arms when I make that known. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the reality of facts is you don't know when your heart's going to quit. You don't know when a car's going to pull out and run head on into you. you. You don't know. So now, today, is a day of salvation. Listen to what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said the great mischief of the lost is that they procrastinate. Now listen. It is not that they resolve to be damned forever, but they resolve to be saved tomorrow. Mm. Let that soak in just a minute. Nobody I've talked to wants to go to hell. They just plan on doing right tomorrow. And I'm telling you, we used to sing an old song, Tomorrow's sun may never rise To meet thy long deluded eyes this is the da 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 da. Be saved, oh, tonight. That's that New English translation there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Don't you love growing old? You, you can say anything, do anything, and, you, you know, it don't matter. You just blame it on growing old, amen? Good gracious. There's a third thing, though, that Paul says here. We used to preach about it. Old-timey preachers preached it all the time. It was a regular doctrine. But this modern generation, I'm not talking about young people. I'm talking about young adults and middle-aged adults. Uh, we didn't want to hear it. It's called the doctrine of perseverance. Paul said, if you're not going to receive grace in vain, you're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to keep on keeping on. I read the story of Vanderlei Lima, he went to Athens to do what no other Brazilian had ever done. He was going to win the gold medal in the marathon. And this was a special marathon because it, it was a time uh, they were going down the original road that the first marathon runner had ever run. And I mean, it was, he was ahead. It, it was looking good. They were celebrating. They were rejoicing. And all of a sudden, some nut, come out of the stands in a red, white, and green kilt and attacked Lima. Now, it didn't hurt him physically, but it knocked off 20 minutes off his time. 
And he stood there, you know, and he struggled with the guy, got rid of him, and went on his way. And two runners went ahead of him. So he lost the gold and he lost the silver. When he got through and finished the race, he, he won the bronze. The, the news said, look, we knew, we know you wanted to win that gold. What's it like being so disappointed to be a, a loser when you just knew you were going to win? And he said, I'm not going to cry forever about this incident. But he said, I managed to finish. And the bronze medal in such a difficult marathon is a great achievement. Let me tell you, as you spread the gospel, there are going to be some people who say, I don't want nothing to do with it. Don't cry about that. You didn't fail. You're an ambassador of Christ. You can't save them. This church can't save them. But I'll tell you, they'll give an account one day that'll be played back before them of the day you told them about Jesus. There are going to be times when we're victorious, and there are going to be times when we're not victorious. There are going to be times when uh, we feel knocked down. Paul knows how that was. In chapter 11, he gives an example, a whole list of it. But even here, he talks about the afflictions and the beatings and the imprisonment and the violence and the... He said, even if revival broke out, opposition was soon to follow. It's the same thing right now. We're praying for revival in America. We're praying for a moral country. Even when the Supreme Court comes up with a moral decision, the world says, oh, that's trash. That's no good. They're ready to burn something down. They're ready to, to, to kill anybody, knock out windows and everything else, and then blame all that on you old right-wing Baptists that are wanting to follow the Word of God. Paul knew all this stuff. Same thing happens. But you know the greatest thing that Paul had to endure? Paul had to endure loving others and then not getting that love in return. That, that, mm, that's a tough pill to swallow. We see it here. This staff knows it. They know what's going on here. Many of you have no idea, but they know what's going on here. There are those that we've been over backwards trying to help, try to help with, with different things, and, and we help them. And then the next month, they're on the Internet talking about how sorry this church is. Huh? That's a bitter pill to swallow. And I want to tell you, if you're not walking with God, you come to the place where you say, to heck with all of it. But we can't get cold. We can't, we can't quit. We can't say, because see, sometimes, and we may not even know it till we get to heaven, sometimes we're entertaining angels. And we don't even know it. We don't even know it. What helped Paul endure these hardships and setbacks when you look at it it's not going to be his uh, personality it's not going to be his strength it's not going to be any of that the thing that kept Paul going on was purity sexual purity moral purity integrity is exactly what the word of God says there's nothing that will zap the energy out of a person or a church more than some immoral act and it seems like, you know, we, we have a lot of them. But I remind you, 
There are 47,000 Southern Baptist preachers in America. There are 47,000 churches in America, not counting Pentecostal, Assembly, Methodist, Catholic, Nazarene, non-denominational, not counting all them. So literally there are hundreds of thousands of pastors in this country. And when you read of one that has fallen, just remember there are thousands more that have never bowed to Baal. They're still serving God and still going on with God. To ensure that we don't waste the opportunity, God has also said we've got to protect the gospel ministry. He said in verse 3 and 4, giving no reason for taking offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited, but in everything, committing ourselves as servants of God. And then he goes on to say, don't be, I don't have time this morning, he says, don't be uh, yoked with unbelievers, mismatched, and, and uh, for what does righteousness and lawlessness have to do together? Uh, when Paul says, given no reason here for taking offense, he means there that, he, I've got some things that I need to say to you blunt. And he's not worried about the church. He is, he's not worried about talking straight to the church. He don't care if they like it or not. He's talking about talking straight to people who are lost, involved in sin, and they're looking at Christians that are in sin too. And he said, don't, don't do anything that's going to shame the gospel, the kingdom of God. We were going to Macedonia. I don't know which one of y'all did it. I don't know if it was a joke or not. I don't know. But uh, somebody called and said... Uh, Tell Brother Charles that he's driving way too fast and he's swerving on the road. I said, whoever it is, call him back and tell him I'm not driving. I know they think I drive like that, but I don't. It was Brother Nathan. <laughs> you know how they knew he was doing that? You know how they knew who it was? Because on the side of that van is a big sign that says Woodland Hills Baptist Church. Longview, Texas. Could I tell you that the people in your neighborhood, when you got up to leave this morning for Sunday school and church, they knew exactly where you're going. They know you're going to the Lord's house. And then you want to get out there this afternoon, act like a fool, and cuss and swear and all of that. They, they say, well, well, what happened to them? See, now, now Paul said, I'm not worried about preaching to the church this. Because I don't care whether you like it or not. That's what Paul said. I'm talking about the lost people out there. The people that are looking at our example and are going to end up going to hell because of the testimony of some of us. Paul said, if you don't want to live your life in vain, don't you live like a hypocrite is what he's saying. D.L. Moody said this. He said, out of 100 men, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian. And sometimes a Christian can muddy the water. That means we've got to be very careful about what we get hitched up to. 
it's not a big deal for the boat to be in the water. But it becomes a big deal when the water gets in the boat. It's not a big deal for you to be in the world. We're all in this world. But folk, I want to tell you, it comes a big, big deal when we let this world get into us. God said, I'll dwell among them and walk among them. I'll be their God. They shall be my people. He's talking about Christians. Therefore, he said, come out from their midst. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Don't touch the unclean and I'll welcome you. We're new creations, still living in an old sinful world. But bless God, no matter how ragged this body gets, the Holy Ghost of God still lives right here inside every born-again Christian. There's an old saying, be careful who you hitch your wagon to. You hitch your wagon to the wrong person, the wrong ideas, you'll find yourself headed in the wrong direction. I could speak another hour, but I won't. On dating relationships, young people, be careful who you go out with. I, I just tell you, young people, you listen to me. You may not be drinking and you may not be doing drugs, but if you're riding in a car where somebody is is driving and that car hits another one at 70 miles an hour, you're going to feel the same impact as that guy who was doing drugs. Be careful who you hang with. Be careful who you hook up with. Marriage relationships. I've heard it all my life for 50 years. Well, preacher, I'm going to marry him and then I'm going to lead him to the Lord. Yeah, well, how's that working out? Sometimes it does. But I'm telling you, most times it don't. Business relationships. You can have a godly man over here that loves God, and he gets in a partnership with a crook over here. You know who the world is going to remember? They're going to remember that crook. Be careful who you hook up with. That's what he's saying here. May the 29th, 2011. Looked like it was a day of destiny. <laughs> it was exciting. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was rounding the last lap of the Charlotte Motor Speedway. You, you could the script, mm, you couldn't ask for anything. It was Memorial Day. He was being sponsored by the National Guard. And he was going to win the race the first time out of 105 races. It was going to be a hallelujah moment. And around that last lap, that Chevrolet he was driving run out of gas. Lost the race. Last lap. I want to talk to you old people for a minute first because I'm old. I can do that. We have got too much invested in the kingdom of God to run out of gas on the last lap. Many of you have worked too hard. Many of you have prayed. Many of you have led others to Christ. And you've been an example for younger people. And we've gone too far to run out of gas on the last lap. We got to make sure that we protect our testimony.
we persevere to the end no matter what comes our way we've got to continue on not because of us but because of Christ now I challenge you man don't grow cold hearted don't get tight don't get greedy thank God I, some people don't believe and they're wrong but they don't believe that you know I don't think we're going to have a rapture that just blows people's mind because I'm tired of hearing people say well the rapture is not in the Bible I don't think we're going to have a rapture I think we're going to have a great catching up the Bible says we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air you can call it an exit or a rapture or anything you want to call it I believe according to my Bible that the next thing on the agenda is the rapture the calling up of Christians I think that's the next thing and I think it could happen any minute any moment so on this last lap let's don't quit don't run out of gas for the you here this morning that have never met Jesus Christ let me tell you you're not even in the race you got to get in the race before you can decide not to quit and I'm telling you tomorrow is not the day it is not and next week's not the day today is the day of salvation right now I'm talking as soon as we have an invitation as soon as I say amen and that music starts you need to be on your way down here to the front you say I don't understand all that I don't either how can a person be all God and all man I have no idea don't understand it see brother case <laughs> and if that don't work out we'll just have to wait to have it I don't understand a whole lot of it but I do understand this that God doesn't want anybody to go to hell it's not his will in any parish it's his will that all come to him but I will tell you this if you reject him you will end up in eternity in hell Father, uh, you know our hearts in this place today. Oh, Father, would you move? Would you let your Holy Spirit have control of everything? God, I, I feel like I've not been able to get across what I need to get across. But, oh, God, would you take your spirit and get it through the minds and the hearts of people? Lord, may we see a great harvest here just in a few moments because you've drawn them. Your Holy Spirit has drawn them, and you've touched them. God, I just pray. I pray this morning not a person would leave this building that has not dealt with you personally one-on-one. -on -one. Have your way. And I want to thank you one more time, God, for giving each one of us one more invitation that we can have our hearts right with you. Now, may we follow that in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Would you stand together?